the latest episode of the 413 Podcast. We are here with the PCB boys, as always. Hello. Yo, yo! yo. And uh, today, um, it's probably the first time that in our five episodes or six episodes of podcast that we are not going to have an interesting list. Today, we're going to have an interesting discussion. Yes, we will have an interesting discussion because number one, we didn't prep very well, or at least I didn't prep very well. And so we wanted to talk about wrestling and we discussed, you know, what are our like all time favorite moments or what are most memorable, biggest what the fuck moments, you know. So instead of doing it in list form, we're just going to talk about it today. So I'm kind of curious right off the bat. When it comes to wrestling, can anyone sort of remember like their earliest wrestling memory? Is there something that sticks out as like your earliest wrestling memory? I I can answer this one. It's not early at all. I was like uh, like a sophomore in high school, and uh, was wrestling invented by then? Or it, it wasn't. It wasn't. There's some Neanderthals that were like getting close, <laughs> and there's some Willie Mammoths. They were they, they were bruisers. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, some of my friends, um, we'd have like band practice and then afterwards they'd watch wrestling and I, I watched it a little bit as a kid, but nothing that like really stuck out to me. And then, um, King of the ring, uh, 1998, uh, happened and that one's pretty famous with, uh, a certain uh, wrestler, mankind, getting thrown off a hell in a cell, and uh, I was like, "This is amazing! Does this happen at every pay per view?" And uh, like, no, yeah, yeah. Now it does. Yeah. <laughs> now it's on free TV. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, if that was your one of the first wrestling memories, then you started out on the right foot. That was it, it definitely the thing is, that wasn't even supposed to happen. The Undertaker didn't want to go on top of the cage. He said to Mick Foley in the back, Mick's like, hey, let's go wrestle on top of the cage. And he goes, no, that's the one thing I don't want to do. And Mick's like, oh, okay. And then Mick Foley came out first because when they talked to the Undertaker in an interview, he said he looked up and he went, God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> he did not want to be up there. Mick said that, you know, he a great deathmatch wrestler. <laughs> Um, a great hardcore wrestler, not a great cage wrestler though. Just you know, he he was never a great uh, cage wrestler, and he's watching some tapes of old cage matches and knew he needed to have something big uh, to 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 make that match memorable. Who would have thought that you know, like almost you know, twenty five years later, we're still <laughs> talking about like the most memorable cage match of all time. I, I would say, I, I don't know if you guys have anything yeah, but else. Had they been doing that style of cage match in the WWF at that time? Because no, my, my memory was not really that like that encompassed was... cage. It was the blue lattice cage. Yeah. Through the yeah. door. Yeah, this, this was, was hell the... in a cell. They were to be locked in the cage. This right. was the second Hell in a Cell. Yeah, the first one okay. was the uh, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker where Kane debuted. Yeah. Was that really uh, yeah, on fire or was that afterwards? No, uh, this one, um, 
he, he this is the one where he pulled off the uh the door oh, and came in and he, oh yeah that's so a, when you realize how stuff. shitty they make ladders chairs and fences <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> the universe of the wwe <laughs> Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, uh, Eric, you're right. Like um, back in the day, it used to, they would just like take the four blue, <laughs> um, just like metal pieces and put yeah. them around the ring. And uh, I, the only other thing that I can think of, like Hell in a Cell wise, was the in the eighties and uh, at least early nineties. The um, um, I mean, thinking blood and guts because of AEW, but a uh, war games. Yeah, back in WCW, WCW right? Yeah, they had that yeah. ridiculous like five cage setup or something, and it was, uh, you know, this oh, one was, that like, was three cages. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, they'd have two rings <laughs> side by side, and you'd have like I these like groups of people that would come in. But didn't they have a section where it was like two cages stacked on top of each other and wrestlers were yeah. wrestling them both? <laughs> there were, there I mean, movie, uh, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, somebody got high and was like, I got an idea. <laughs> Dude, this is killer. What are we going to do? <laughs> Doug, two. two cages. There's not two enough cages. room. So you put know what a cage top. is, right? Now put another cage on top of that. And then another cage on top of that one. Do y'all remember watching the movie Ready to Rumble? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't right? like to admit that I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ready to Rumble. But it, yeah, basically, it was like me... That that match is like me building a, um, a course on Excite Bike. Like, I want to put 15 ramps right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why? Because I can. <laughs> There's no other reason. Just because I can, I'm doing it. That was for uh, sure. That was that that Let's war game. See what happens. What about you, Andy? Anything like really jump out that um, like? Just, I watched wrestling when I was, like when, even when I was real young, um, because I was a huge Hulk Hogan and Macho Man fan. So I mean, I remember the superpowers. Um. I mean, I don't remember when I saw this. I don't know if I, like, we had like one of those cable boxes. So we could got, we got all the pay-per-views because it was one Lucky. of those black boxes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I used to watch them all. I remember, and I don't even, I don't know if I saw this live or if I watched it years later, but um, I mean, the earliest memory I have, I use air quotes there, is I watched the match where Hulk Hogan picked up Andre the Giant. And I just don't, yeah, it's, it's such one. an old memory. I don't remember if I saw it on pay-per-view or if I watched it years later, but that was one of my stuff. Because that was yeah, like early three. 80s, wasn't it? That was real early. So I think 88? I caught it. I think I it was, was like 22 late? at the time. So. 88? So it, then I was. I could have watched was that it, on the was it The first, no, 80, was it 87? Well, uh, 80, I would say 80, 80 84? I no, thought the first WrestleMania was 86. 84. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah, so eighty six. Yep. So then I watched it years later on a on a you know something else, but because I yeah eighty six, I was born in eighty three. I was that's what I was, I was, I was like. Uh, that's why I say it, earliest is is that I remember seeing it when I was young, but I couldn't. I can't remember. I know it was on uh, the black box, um, and I remember I was watching. You know, it probably was just an old WrestleMania, 
but I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan. And I, 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 I still remember being a kid and being like, what? He picked him up. Oh my God. But like when you're a kid and you watch something like you don't realize you're watching something that's super old, you know, you never know. But I, I watched wrestling all the time. I remember watching it when I was young. Um, I remember being devastated at Sean uh, Marty Gennetti getting thrown through the mirror at Brutus the Beef, the Barber Beefcake's Barbershop. Yeah. I just remember being crushed because I was a huge Rockers fan. And I'm like, how could he do this? <laughs> well, one, one kind of interesting thing to go back to is so Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan. I think even like probably to this day, you don't really realize like the stature of those two guys. Yeah. Because like Hulk Hogan was a monster and he looked like he was teeny compared to Andre the Giant. Yeah. So you like see them in the ring together and you're like, oh, this is a very small guy against a kind of big, big guy, but you're not like Andre the Giant's hand can palm like two basketballs. Yeah. Like it was a nerd. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was ridiculous the size of those two guys. So, I mean, obviously for Hulk Hogan to be able to, to slam him, even though it was a little bit weak. You, <laughs> definitely but it's also, like, if you think about that match in general, too, is Andre the Giant never really got pinned. I feel no. like Hulk was the first wrestler to pin him. Like He had lost matches, but he was counted out from the outside. He had, I feel like away. Hulk Hogan was the first person to pin him. At least in the WWF, right? Yeah, in the WWF. Oh. He like had never been pinned. Yeah. Um, he was Jared. What do you got? Earliest. My uncle was super big into wrestling and he had just a bunch of random like all the tapes and stuff when they'd all come out. I feel like I watched awesome. one of like the old uh Undertaker highlight tapes that just had like a bunch of his earlier matches on them. So got me in. Before he Very cool. fought Yokozuna. Was it like just like the entrance and everything, and just like the character? The, that like, yeah, the Undertaker and Paul Barry with the urn and everything. And it was just in the, the music and everything, dark and, and the monks like, and the smoke. And yeah, he was just always such a presence. Hell yeah, probably the greatest entrance in wrestling history, I would think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no, Hulk Hogan walking down. Yeah, okay. I mean, and, and you might be right about that. I. I'm just kidding. once again. I was older when I got into wrestling, and I was like, I I never understood. Like me and Nabil would get into fights all the time about this. Be like, I I don't understand the um the appeal of Hulk Hogan. Back in the '80s, I mean, when you're a kid, he has the appeal because he is he's just that that ultimate face. I mean, here's this guy. No, that's what Randy Savage was. That's what Ultimate Warrior. That's thinking about you know his his. His song is, you know, I'm a real American. You know what I mean? He's well, coming out and he's, you know, and you you just, I don't know, you get caught up in it. Like the crowd loves him and it's like, and he's just a big dude and you see him beating down these bad guys and you're like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, I, it's all good. I think it wasn't that he was loved so much as much as it was like the Iron Sheik was hated so much. So to, to see like whoever was going like, to be against him. <laughs> Yeah, this strong American force, like people couldn't help but root for him. You know what I mean? And so, like, he had the right persona, he had the right character to really, like, you know, build up what what they were trying to do. And I think 
it really became more about like America. So he was like the face of America for wrestling in a way, because I think for they, sure. just, they gave him the right matches to be part of. And so I think that's what really builds him up. But yeah, I mean, he, you, you could see his face everywhere. He had, they had cereal, they had uh, ice cream bars, they had all sorts of merchandise. So they were like the really wrestling buddy. A whole bunch of movies. Oh yeah. They had all the wrestling yeah. buddies. I forgot the about those. Of- but I, I think Jared's Jared uh, makes a good point. Like, you know, Macho Man, awesome character, dope as hell. Like, an actual character. My problem with Hulk Hogan was like, he said brother a lot, but he didn't really say much of anything. Well, Macho yeah. Man, I think did the, did a bigger flip because Macho Man wasn't well liked until he became the macho man like macho king savage was was not a well-liked wrestler he was a good wrestler but people hated him so like when he took the turn and got into the frilly you know like frilly jackets and cowboy hats and stuff and neon i think it was pretty late in the game by that point but he was just a grinder i felt like he he was in every royal rumble like he was in every big pay-per-view event like he just he was someone that i think just wrestled so much that he was in your face that was the thing he was like a technical wrestler like when you saw him and he could do like really cool moves and he was a high flyer and uh he had this out there character like you could you could get more involved with him because he was a character and he had he had depths to him while while for for me, Hulk Hogan I, I was just, just big and tan. I think that super, yeah, all, all the super superficial tan. things like everything he had you, gone. you can't say for him. You, uh, he says brother and talks about vitamins and shit. But I mean, does he? I, well, that's you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins, drink your milk, and whatnot. Oh. But I, I think he was to me. Brush your school, eat your sleep. Yeah, to, I think to me, like wrestling, at least because again, this is when I was growing up. So, like, I feel like wrestling at that point was much more targeted towards a younger yeah. demographic. Oh, no, it definitely was, in my opinion. So, I think Hulk Hogan was just a hero to young kids. Yeah. Like, he he just seemed like that kind of guy. Like, because evil. Yeah, because like I feel like when you got into the later, like the Attitude Era, and you had the Stone Colds and you had the Rocks, it was more about. It was more about that kind of like zippy attitude and people liked him because he was badass. Hulk Hogan wasn't a badass. No. He was just a good guy. Yeah. He was like the good guy, the hero, the he-man, he so was, to speak. Yeah, supposed to his, be character the his character, yes. yes which, oh, and, and which makes it amazing later uh, in WCW yes. when he does turn heel and like that's like mind-blowing and still you has know, the, less oh, character yeah. there somehow than he did in the wwf yeah he he wasn't the most interesting part of the nwo by any means yeah. it just he had the biggest mm-hmm. like the biggest turn i think you know yeah. like the most impactful turn but i feel like once he turned everyone was like oh, who gives a shit you know? okay like, like now now what <laughs> he was still the draw though he was still the draw like yeah. he's still he yeah, he's, he's definitely but that's the thing with like with the Hogan esque wrestler. It's the it's the John Cena. Like, what does John Cena really bring to the table besides the young audience? You know, and as yeah, you kind of grow up and get older, revenues. yeah, exactly, yeah. ad revenue. But 
So you go in and you're like, you see Hogan, you get into it. And then as you get a little bit older, you still like Hogan. Like me and Nabil were always going to be like, oh man, Hogan, we remember him when we were kids. But then we see the the Bret Hart's, you know what I mean? And like you the said, Nabil Macho Man. Is up to six. Yeah. Six <laughs> you times got Macho Man. <laughs> you have, you know, the the Marty Janettis, you know what I mean? You have these better wrestlers. I like Marty Janetti. I always like Marty Janetti. Those are the you only cannot two throw Marty Janetti so and Hulk Hogan in the same ring. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't put you can't put Bret Hart and Marty Janetti in the same. But I mean, you, got, you know, we had great wrestlers. We had really great wrestlers like um Crush Virgil. and Bastion Booger. <laughs> like the Brooklyn Brawler. All right. But you kind of get into it when you're young with these bigger names like the Hogan's, the guys that don't have much, you know, pretty much below the surface or on the surface. And then as you mature with wrestling, you like like the more of the Hardys, you know what I mean? The Rock, the Mankind. And that's what kind of gets you into it. And you always have a soft spot for that original wrestling. It's like I've never liked um, um, John Cena, but Millions of small children do. Like, well, here's the thing: when you're a child, you like the gimmick. When you're an yeah. adult, you like the talent. And so, yeah. Hulk Hogan That's didn't have boring. the talent. You know what I mean? Like, he had the gimmick, he didn't have the talent. So, like, you like Hulk Hogan as a kid, but then as he got older, maybe you like Macho Man because he had the talent. Yeah. Still had a good gimmick, yeah, but it was more gimmick about too. the talent. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think like that's the difference. Is like John Cena. Not a very skilled, talented wrestler, in my opinion. Like he never had really great matches, but he had the gimmick. He's had a couple. He was a workhorse too. He was one of those few people. He's beat the shit out of himself, and he. That's a great point, he's a Jared. Big guy. Yeah. yeah, he is. But I think but like he's a big guy. He can't do much in the ring. He's not like a Rey Mysterio no, who's going to put out. No, an interesting he's not a fucker. He'll pick up the great Kali and all that too. He's still carrying the mantle. Oh, for... he can pick up someone who's heavy. Oh, great! What the fuck he did he do? No, but put it put it this way, like again, we're talking about talent. Like when he fought Rob Van Dam at the ECW crossover, like Rob Van Dam ran oh, circles around him. Like not a big draw. Yeah. Like Ooh, not even half the people RVD that knew John. Around. But I'm just saying that's the that's the yeah. talent portion of it. Is that John hey, Cena in comparison was not a talented wrestler. We get a whole but, David but and Cena, Goliath thing going on side. too. I mean, do you get that's where there's different weight classes and I mean not that any of it's real and doesn't matter anyway, but yeah. <laughs> But uh, the one thing that I will give Cena, like, and I don't know why I hate Hulk Hogan so much, but the one thing that I will give Cena is he, uh, like you're saying with the RVD match, um, he understood the psychology of it. Like, yeah. he understood that he's going into a hornet's nest and he's the most hated person. Yeah. And he played it up. Like, he knew yeah, how to that's true. Uh, how, uh-huh. how to ham it up. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, the same old shit, definitely. But I think that that also might to turn be him face. Yeah, Why? that might be a Vince Kennedy McMahon type thing. You're gonna be like, yeah, he, no. yeah, he fell into that range that was like you couldn't tell what he was because people hated him, people loved him. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he the, had, the older audience hated him because he was too yeah, much of a face. <laughs> he had very loyal fans, but at the same time, like enough people hated him that it was like. I don't know. It was like um, well, it was kind of all of them though too. Because I mean, even Stone Cold and The Rock and all of them had they they were uh, galvanizing. I guess I'll say I one hundred percent. And and when you had characters like that, I mean, that's uh, The Rock is like 
what one of the biggest uh, Hollywood stars now, right? Yep. And Stone Cold like came up from uh, he, he was grinding, grinding, grinding. Like he understood the business so much that it, those are, those are two like once in a lifetime superstars yeah. that they just got at the same time, and it's that's incredible. Well, they weren't quite at the same time. I think The Rock really took a book out of Stone Cold's page because The Rock was still Rocky Maivia and he was still yeah. like this fresh-faced kid that had a ton of talent but did not have the persona. And I think he was trying to be too much of a good guy. And I think when you saw the Stone Cold, the more like anti-hero, like you kind of again, you got on board with the badassery of it. You're like, "Wow. This guy speaks his mind He's outside the like system." That. I like this guy. Yeah. And it was, it was, again, it was during that time that a lot of things were shifting in the WWE. It wasn't about the all American Hulk Hogan's. It was about what's going to, what's going to put asses in the seats. And part of that was, you need a controversial figure. Well, part of that was too is WCW is that he had to compete with WCW. He had a competitor who was doing really well. So he Vince couldn't, Go down the same path of well, let's recycle the same kind of storyline. Yeah, exactly. And then he had to find something to fill the seats. And you had WCW who had the NWO, which people hadn't seen really before. And you had Hogan, who, yes, people might say he had no gimmick. But that turn to heel really brought fans. He has a gimmick. He has has a gimmick. gimmick. I'm not saying. But that that whole NWO, it it put Vince on the defensive, which he probably hadn't been on in a very long time. And you're right. It it also, uh, all of his stars, Hogan, Macho Man, Lex Luger, they're all all defecting to WCW for that big paycheck. Right now, there's there's not that. And there's just not those stars anymore either. Like, Eric, I'm I'm wondering what... Fifty years ago, for some guys, for sure. Eric, like, when did you like first start getting into wrestling, and what was like your first memory on that? I like wrestling from a very young age. So some of my early memories are that, and I, it, the memory that like jumps out at me. I know I was watching like lots of you know cable run wrestling before this, but I remember that. Every time a pay-per-view came out, I would beg to get the pay-per-view. And back then, it was a lot of money. It was like 50 bucks. And you're talking about $39.95 yeah. in like 91 for a Royal Rumble. You know, like it was a lot of money. Five bucks an hour. You have to go work for like a half a week. First of all, we had to find a touchstone phone. We had a, we had mostly rotary yeah. phones in my house. <laughs> so, so for a pay-per-view, it was like kind of a big deal. So I remember what they would do is they would have the pay-per-view channel. And you'd go on it and they would preview it. It'd be like 30-minute countdown to SummerSlam. So what I remember is it was a 30-minute countdown to SummerSlam. I can't remember what year. Probably 91, 92 maybe. And I just remember it's Razor Ramon out on the beach and he's got like this um, you know, Hawaiian shirt on, these big chains. And he's like, he's talking, he's talking up his big match or whatever. And he's kind of doing this whole thing. And I remember it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. We're like five minutes left. And I'm begging. I'm like, can we please get this? So finally getting time to call and 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 book this this SummerSlam. And I remember just like sitting like a foot away from the television, eating 
uh, nacho cheese Doritos and yeah. drinking Ecto Cooler and just fucking like zoning <laughs> into this and like thinking it was the greatest thing of all time. And so like every year after that, um, regardless of what the, when the pay-per-view was, I would beg like it was no tomorrow. I would be, I know, I knew it would be coming up, so I wouldn't ask for anything. And then as soon as like, you know, December hit and I knew the Royal Rumble was coming around, I'd be like, please. And so, you know, I think my memories are pretty fond because I think I went right from like, you know, Ninja Turtles, like liking really kind of goofy, like cartoony stuff to going right into wrestling. And so wrestling was sort of like, you know, when growing up, I was very much into wanting to like learn karate and stuff. Like I was very much into that kind of scene. So I watched tons of Bruce Lee movies, like at a very young age, like I'm talking like five years old, I'm watching Bruce Lee, I'm watching all these different things. And so wrestling was sort of like that in between where it was like this cool technical fighting thing, but also like interesting characters and like it was televised and you couldn't like watch karate on television, you know? So, um, it sort of got me into it in that way because it was, it was something that brought all the things I was very interested in, um, to real life because to me, wrestling was very real. So you go from like watching blood sport to watching, you know, Hulk Hogan in the ring. And you're like, there's no difference in this. This is all the same thing. Yeah. And it's really cool that these guys are able to do these moves. So, for sure, for sure. I uh, did. Any of you guys like uh, read comic books or anything? Um, yeah. I, no, I like, was hoping to get laid at some point in my life, so I decided never to yeah, pick one up. I, I, I never, I never really did. But I, like, just like right now with like the resurgence of like comic book uh, movies and things, and how it's so much part of popular culture, I never really got into that. But like, I could get into the story of good and evil and like shades of gray in wrestling be like, Oh, all right. Well, I can understand that motivation of wanting to fight that person because they took, uh, uh, say like the British Bulldogs, uh, they, they took Matilda, somebody else like Matilda and they want to fight to get Matilda back. Like, I'm like, I can understand okay. that. Somebody took my dog. That's I want to fight too. That's simple. Well, it's but, very, but again, yeah, like it's said some base urges. What else yeah. blurred the lines that much? You know what I mean? Like what else took yeah. fiction and facts, so to speak, like, and put them in a very, in a very similar thing. Like what took a soap opera and a sporting event and put them together. So like, that's what made it so different was that they were able to create. Cause like you watch a football game and it's like, it's all the real deal. Like well, you're, wrestling is like, you're watching that, they're playing a game. You're watching wrestling. Yeah. They're putting on a show. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like as a kid, like yeah, you're, you're, you're watching that, that going, like, oh my god, yeah. like this is so cool. Like you're watching all the behind the scenes stuff, and then you're watching them them wrestle. Yeah. So like, it's such a good build up, and they did a good job. I mean, it, it it's it's very unlike anything else, and I think that's why it probably resonates with so many people. Is that you know it takes that that fantasy. And puts it into a very real attainable thing. And so I think that's what created a lot of like the next generations is that like, why else is it this interesting? Like if it's a fake thing and it's like all the matches are predetermined and you know, X, Y, Z, why do people continue to do it? And it's because 
it's fucking fun. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something where like, I, why do you watch anything on TV? Like, why do you get invested in a story? Because these characters are either real to, or something. You form some bond somehow. Yeah. With somebody you see somewhere, yeah, you're going to see something and be like, all right, I can sympathize with that. And then all of a sudden, for sure. What it's been so they tough get wrong, in this story. Like, no, screw that guy that hurt that. Right, right. Well, one of the things like during quarantine right now that, that's made it like a bit different. And I, I know um, you guys don't really follow wrestling as much as I do, but like during the quarantine, it really shows how important that crowd the reaction. Audience. Like, yeah. yeah, I think I saw like, one Andy clip Goldberg. with them wrestling with like no. When it was so just oddly quiet. It's, <laughs> it's I, eerie. Yeah. In, in, it's in, in the story, like it's kind of lost, but like go back to that WrestleMania three when you got Bobby Heenan and the Giant coming in, like um, in that little little cart there, and you got this big man on this on this cart, and you got a hundred thousand people in the Pontiac Superdome like going crazy eric like you said like when the, when he actually does the slam and the crowd just erupts like it, it's what i always liked about it was it it, it bridged a, a, a story and characters and also kind of like a larger society also that you have that crowd reaction and it, the crowds sometimes make the matches the john cena versus rob van damme that crowd made that match that they were, yeah, they were yeah. bloodthirsty and they well, it's wanted. Like, it, it's one of the few, I think it's one of the few things you can watch live that like will give you goosebumps because it's like you get into these things where you're like, you don't realize you get how excited about into it. it you are until it's already too late. And you're like, yeah, oh, like, you're, like, let's say you're watching the Royal Rumble or something and you're like, okay, it's a cool match. Like, I know it's going to happen. We're going to have all these people come out. But then all of a sudden they bring in some like rando like at number 29 or something and you're like, oh my God, like you get out of your seat and it's like, when you hear those big pops or you hear like these wrestlers that come back all of a sudden or like there's all these different moments that would happen that like really draw your attention to... You getting robbed or something? (laughs) No, So, no, it was, it was Berkshire Gas. Oh. 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 Very distracted for your house. <laughs> <laughs> What's Berkshire Gas doing at your house at ten twenty? Oh, they're not. Uh, they're just on my street. Oh. They're back in office. What are you doing on your street at ten twenty? Shutting your gas. Yeah, that's a good. Point. You pay that gas bill. Working <laughs> overtime. Oh, Kogan, he needs fucking money. Like, money. Hey, I'm an enforcer for Berkshire Gas now. No one will hire me. <laughs> I, so that's also the, another thing that you mentioned, Eric, um, that always made whatever like a, a wrestling event so much better, especially pay-per-views. Like when you said uh, the Dorito, uh, the nacho Doritos, the food with the wrestling, just it's the best. It's the oh, best. It's just, like a mini feast. Pizza rolls and power slams. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, it kind of takes me back. Like, I mean, what was it? Two years ago now, maybe three years ago, where we had a WrestleMania party. Oh, yeah. And it was yeah. like, we Dude, didn't actually watch WrestleMania, but 
we got together, we ate some food, and then we started watching ECW. And then we decided to switch on WrestleMania and we watched like the last match with the um uh, we switched over it? a couple times, but it just wasn't really Yeah. But the last match yeah, was um yeah. was what? Uh Flair versus was that the um, Charlotte Flair one? Becky, yeah. Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch and was it oh um Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it was so much fun watching those old ECW uh matches with you guys. Like literally that rekindled my love of wrestling. <laughs> oh, totally. Watching it with you guys. That's I'm what like, got us here oh, today. Man. Yeah, this I've is been so watching much fun. Now that it's on Peacock, I've been watching all the time. And I watched a bunch of like, I rewatched some of the Royal Rumbles on YouTube recently because I was like, you know what? I, I love the idea Those of the Royal Rumble fun. because it's like yeah. you get to see 30 wrestlers in a short period of time. And like, was, it's like a good throwback. Was that throwback. your favorite pay-per-view? Oh, mine was Royal Rumble and the Bash at the Beach. Yeah, so I mean, for, yeah, for WCW, definitely Bash at the Beach. But Royal Rumble is, yeah, I, I feel like, one like of their the Royal best. Rumble. Like that, for me, was always, it was a great one to be able to see with a bunch of people, too. And it's just like, pick freaking numbers. Like, who's oh next? Oh, my God, yes. Well, well yeah. Royal guy. Rumble, I think, had the best matches in general. Yeah. And it was such a good lead-up for WrestleMania. They really wanted to do a good show. And I feel like WrestleMania always played second fiddle to was- me compared to Royal Rumble. Always a ladder. Was that where they did the money in the bank and all that too? Or was it a... Well, I think the original ladder match... Wasn't the original ladder match because there was some controversy with the Intercontinental Championship. And basically it was like there were two Intercontinental Champions. I think it was Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And so they had two Intercontinental belts suspended above. And they had to fight to... Whoever could get theirs first, right? Yeah. And I think Shawn Michaels won, but... um, Yes. It was... um, yeah, I think that was like kind of where it originated, and they started doing that as like money in the bank and all the other styles. Yeah, you but, get one shot at the champion. Yeah, the Royal Rumble moment that kind of sticks out in my mind was the Yokozuna Undertaker casket match, where oh, Yokozuna that took that kind of long sabbatical. And I don't even know to this day. I'm sure if I looked it up on you know like Google or something, it would tell you why he took time off. But like, he broke his fucking back or something stupid trying to pick up yeah. Yokozuna. He disappears for a while and then they go to, from gray taker to purple taker and there's all these sightings of him and stuff. But basically he gets he gets bopped in the coffin, lid closed, everything goes black. All of a sudden he pops up on the jumbotron and he's doing a promo from inside the <laughs> casket, so to speak. Oh, so good. he does his promo and he's like, I will live again or something. And then all of a sudden the lights start flickering again and you see this kind of like being like get like airlifted <laughs> up above and you're like what the fuck is going on i remember it was like i had no idea and then undertaker's gone for a while and then all of a sudden they start doing the, again the promos of like here's purple taker or here's a sighting of the undertaker and all these other things it's sort of like elvis you know like <laughs> that style but that to me like really showed like how the Royal Rumble could really like set the tone for, for the rest of the year, so to speak. It was like the last, ma- you know, the last event of the year in most cases. Yes. Last time for something big before WrestleMania. And they always, and they always had good controversy. They yeah. always built up WrestleMania with the Royal Rumble. So like you had the, 
the Shawn Michaels British Bulldog, where Shawn Michaels only one foot hit and he like pulls himself back yep. over <laughs> and wins. That you have, son of a bitch. <laughs> you have the, There's a few the, of those. I have a couple on my list that were all those. Like all the Kofi Kingston ones from like any Royal yeah. Rumble. He had so many so cool fun. moments like that. He absolutely um, he's just so athletic. You have the the Ric Flair where he um, eliminates Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan, and then they Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice end up going to WrestleMania. Time out. How is Hulk Hogan a face in that situation? He pulled Sid <laughs> Vicious out. I'm like, oh, what? How is this the, the good guy? He got he 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 got knocked out. Shouldn't the 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 the, the good person be like, okay, I got knocked out. I'm going to the back. No, he just well. His point Sid was Vicious. his point was let's let's throw Ric Flair out. And then when Sid Vicious took the opportunity to throw Hogan out, Hogan, <laughs> Hogan got real sour grapes. <laughs> they were so sour you could see them in his, in his underoos. Well. Right, that sour motherfucker right there. No one messed I don't disagree. But, I mean, at the, again, at the time, like, you're going between Hogan and Sid Justice, like, yeah. eh, you're going to go, you're going to lean towards Hogan. Was it Lawler that hit under the ring the first time? Oh yeah! Okay. Now that's a shit heel right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, there was one where he, um, he got called into the Royal Rumble as he was announcing. Yeah. He goes in. He's in for like two seconds, <laughs> and he gets clotheslined out. But the dude hits his head on the mat, and it bounces like a fucking basketball. And you can tell he's hurt, but he tries to sit back down. And is all disoriented. He's like, oh, "McMahon, you know they." Uh, uh, that guy cheated or whatever, but it's like you could tell he hit his he head. His fucking bell rung. When he landed, yeah, he was out of it. <laughs> he deserved it. I hate Lawler. He probably did. Back, yeah, me too. I, I hated him. He was I annoying, but he was a great perfect uh, counter uh, to him and McMahon. Yes. All right. So, can I just pivot real quick because I think it'll go into a good topic here, which is sure. So, to me, WWF had some of the grossest moments of all time. So they had really gross things that they would do on that. Like, and so the one that stands out to me is the the Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart kiss my foot. Kiss match. my foot. Oh yeah. And so they promoted the shit out of this match. I can't remember what it was on. Um, I don't know if it was on one of the big shows or it was on like an in your house or something, but they they prep for this where it would do these promos where Jerry Lawler would be standing there and he'd be talking about Bret Hart. And all of a sudden you'd like scroll down and he'd be like stomping his feet in, in like cow manure or something. Or like <laughs> he just did all these things where like, you know, Bret Hart, you're going to be kissing my feet at, you know, blank. And it was like, they just built it up so much. And then Bret Hart ends up winning the match and he literally puts his entire foot in Jerry Lawler's mouth. And it made me want to fucking <laughs> gag. The sweaty wrestler foot goes full Ugh. bore. Like I expected it to just be like a casual actually kiss my foot match. And it went, I mean, well, here's the whole like, thing with wrestling is I don't think you can go and just half-ass it like that. <laughs> they yeah, get the yeah, dollars because they commit. But were you expecting that? No. Did you expect that no. his foot was, was going to go in bro. his mouth? No, but that's what yeah. they have to deliver. Nobody did. Come on. I thought nobody. Waller would, you know, like, oh. you know, not not just try and get away, do a shit heel thing and just exactly. leave or and run away or somebody would interfere and then cause Bret Hart to lose and Bret yeah. Hart would have to kiss Lawler's feet. Like 
they prepped it in a way that I felt like something maniacal was going to happen. Like, there's Bret no way Hart they were won. actually going to let this come to you're fruition. Like, Yay, Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler's going to kiss your feet. Then he puts his foot in your mouth and you're like, I need to flip over to Duckman right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, I, got, happy. I got something. It didn't have as much of a build, but what about uh, Triple H versus, I think it was uh, uh, Phineas I. Godwin. Um, oh, and it was flop. Yes, the flop match. And oh. there was like real pigs in there. And oh. like Triple H's back or Hunter Hearst Helmsley's back is all like all like cut up and stuff. There's just like, little cuts and stuff. You can see a little bit of blood, and he does a backdrop into the slop, and it's like oh my. so just like at a basic level, I'm like the dude is literally in pig shit right now and he's got like cuts and stuff in his back and i'm just like this is the most disgusting thing it's all in his hair and stuff yeah but in general when they bring when they used to bring down the slop bucket the godwins as a tag team they throw the slop bucket on people fucking gnarly dude remember sunny when she got it oh oh so good i'm not gonna lie i would have still hit it oh uh, yeah yeah sunny was Sonny was my favorite. <laughs> DX when they dropped the was it porta potties on Vince Shane and Vince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh the um the shit cannon from um Stone Cold, um or what was that Stone Cold? Was that no. beer cannon? Yeah, Stone no, Cold. But wasn't there the one where they they cannon. shot? But wasn't there one where they shot like sewage waste on McMahon? That might oh, have been DX, shit, I think, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was DX. I think that's the one I'm thinking of then. That's that. Yeah, because yeah, that was a whole... Stone Cold rip. rode like a Budweiser truck down and he like hosed the whole yeah. ring in beer. Val Venus. They just love like, Stone Cold riding. Oh, all of, just like, all of Val Venus. All of Val Venus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Okay, do you remember the Val Venus with John Bobbitt? Yeah. 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 The whole, I don't remember the exact... Okay, so... I don't remember the storyline, but I and I copy Yeah, it was like that Asian tag team yeah. that was yeah. like all against Val Venus. And so they had this plan where they were gonna they were gonna cut his dick off with a samurai yep. sword. It, again, like it's topical. How, you don't get better than a soap opera than that. <laughs> and so yeah. like I remember all of a sudden the lights go off and they disappear and then like they get up and everyone's on the ground or whatever and they're like, What happened? And Val Venus comes out and he's like with a little bit of ice and a little help from my friend John, we were able to get away or something. I'm like, what the fuck? What a ridiculous concept. I, yeah. As that entire okay. character is absurd. Yes. It, 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 it's just, you're like, Vince, there are children. As a, li- say, as a little show for kids that we were just talking about, he is the outlier from everything. Let's just spray bleach no, on all I, these fucking that, kids in the first row from this super soaker. 99, 2000, 2001, like, it got... Remember Mark Henry and... Um, it was Y2K, so they got <laughs> just oh, wild Mark Henry and years. um. Oh, what, the, what was her name? The old broad. Um, uh, what was her name? Yeah. Um, May. West? May Young. Yeah. May Young. Uh, but, yeah. In the hand. Oh. She gave birth to a hand. God, remember 
Remember the Godfather, and he'd bring out the hose, and he'd say, do you want to go leave with these lovely ladies, or do you want to wrestle me? And sometimes people would just leave with the ladies, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? I'm watching Raw. Like, I came to watch a wrestling match, and the match is over. They're just trying to show you reality, Andy. They're not. Everybody's going to play. Didn't they also used to... now I can't remember if I, I so I remember the 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 scene itself because I remember watching it and I was like panicking about it and my grandma was like don't worry it's just pea soup and I'm like what but there was a uh, I think it was on like a daytime event or something it wasn't like a uh, a pay per view or anything but where it was either if my memory serves me right it was either Papa Shango put a curse on Ultimate Warrior or Jake the Snake Snake bit Ultimate Warrior but I remember he's sitting there convulsing and he's like puking up, you know, fake pea soup or whatever. Wow. And they're like taking him away on a stretcher. I, like, oh my god, the ultimate warrior. Is it was it the Papa Shango curse? I'm trying to remember. I thought he got bit by Jake the Snake Snake. One of the two. I mean, either one of them could have could have been plausible. I think it was Papa Shango because I think it was Macho Man with the snake that actually like yes. Yeah, yeah. the guy that had no teeth but it latched <laughs> on him and you're like on his bicep. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that was brutal. Uh, he he, wasn't he tied? He was tied up in the ropes, right? Yes, oh. that's right. tied up, and then he put the snake on him. And the snake looked like it had no teeth because it was like just gripping into him, but it looked like it wasn't actually making any like blood marks or anything. But um, it was. But Macho Man looked like he freaked out. Oh yeah, my I'm I'm sure. That's probably not the best spot to be like. Uh, not, not, not. An, an uncontrollable <laughs> snake. And yeah. trust me, Jake the Snake did not seem like a very rational person. So not at all. Still doesn't. He put no. his snake, he had one of his snakes, bit one of the British Bulldogs' dogs. Oh. Matilda? I think it was Matilda. It was one of them. Was that was like one of the things why they hated each other or something. And he pulled the snake out and supposedly, like, yeah, bit the dog or something. And you're like, ah, the dog. Not cool, man. I love the British Bulldog, dude. He was the best. He didn't get like pushed his set of new boots. They never gave him a lot of opportunity, yeah. but he he was like in everything. Like again, yeah. he was like one of those Royal Rumble guys that was in like yeah, everything. Sure. Yeah, he, he went from that like very classic long haired like British to like the kind of like Doc Martens jeans like kind of British Bulldog. Where yeah, he he tried to reinvent himself many times and was still like a grinder. But I felt like. He only lost steam. He never like he was never a big main eventer. He was never a a um a a champion, right? Like he might have been intercontinental, but or tag team. He was uh, never tag, a, I think. A heavyweight tag team definitely with him and Owen. I don't think he ever was. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was ever intercontinental. He was definitely not heavyweight. You're right though, he only lost steam. The American championship. Did he have an American championship or something at one point? I feel like he might have held a belt for a second. He never won that. He won a hardcore uh title. Yeah, that's what it oh, that was in WWF also. Yeah, they just, I feel like they just never, I don't know what about it, what it, he wasn't like that likable. He didn't have, again, he didn't have a great persona. Again, if you look at a lot of the guys who became the champion, like they were able to do it in a way where either people hated him so much that you needed to give them the title so that you could set up a good main event. Yeah, or so you could they have had a very good gimmick. Yeah. Get steam yeah. off of beating them. But the person who, like, a lot of the title drops are people who, like, didn't have a great character, like, and they lost the title so fast because they just knew that they just needed to drop the title to somebody like the Bob Backlund, Bret Hart, and then Diesel beating Bob Backlund. Like, yeah. you know, it created yeah. a transitional champion. Yeah. yeah. Transitional. 
And yeah, there were a lot say, of them that were like that. Like uh, Cena, one of the few, he loses enough. And I think that's half the reason why I didn't mind him so much later on, too. Like, if they made yeah, him so was, he never lost and he was supposed to be this formidable force all the time, I think yeah. I probably would have. He squashed enough definitely. of the smaller wrestlers, though. Like, they He's constantly big. brought him in to squash people like CM Punk he can, and stuff. He can squash those dudes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, get, I get it with the CM Punk, but I mean, Punk, Punk won and Punk lost, but he, yeah. he was the macho man of that era. He was. He, well, he's the one that fought. Vince all the time too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. And Hunter, he fought yeah. Hunter. Uh, yeah. Like I mean, those two. I'll be honest. I was totally checked out at that point. Like wrestling became like I kind of like I kind of really left the game when I think it was like they started bringing in, um, you know, it was like the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian and like. That. See, there was some great stuff with the Hardy Boys yeah, and, no, that again, they, and all them. I had, I had Lita. I think I, I that that to me kind of capped it off, and I stopped watching that's after it. some of that. I think I lost interest. And I, maybe I pick it up dust, here. Like, right, that's that out. But I remember watching dub, ECW at that point. I kind of switched over because, really like, for me, it was more about like if you love the Hardys, like. And like the high flying dynamic and like the crazy moves and stuff, like you'd get that like a hundred times over in ECW. So like one hundred percent. But it's not as amazing, amazing when it's every match all the time. That's the only thing. No, it is. Though. It, it is. Well, it I, absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I get it. Like again, if you're watching a bunch of boring shit for a while, and you know you're watching these dudes like go through the motions and do the same fucking like you know chest slaps and Irish whips and stuff, yeah. like okay, then. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but like every time I watch ECW, even now, even if I've seen the matches, there's always a moment in each match where I'm like, holy shit. And they constantly yeah. chant that because there are those holy shit moments. Like I was watching um, uh, Massacre on 34th Street from 2000 and they've got um, uh, Rhino against Spike Dudley. And oh shit, Rhino goes in for this big uh, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Spike Dudley goes in for this big acid drop, and Rhino literally just throws him out of the ring onto a table, and it was like so fucking brutal. And then they get Spike back in the ring, and he's like working on the leg of Rhino, and then Rhino gets him in a chokehold, and Spike throws up in the ring. He's he's, he's yanking on his neck so hard. What? During this, he's throwing up in the ring, and I then they had to pull Rhino off of him. Stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if yeah, Spike it's... was really hurt or not, but he there's puke all over the ground next to him, and he's just laying out. And like I don't know if he hit his head too hard when they threw him out of the ring before that, and he had a concussion or something. But like those are the matches where like, we have. saw these every single wrestler went for it. Like Roadkill jumps yeah, out should, off the, the top rope, like and into the fucking cement ground, you know, the cement floor, and like. Do, does flips and shit, and you're like, this is like what I want to see. Like, I want to see. It's shocking, like but now as an a not even as an like even when I was a kid, a little bit. Those are the ones like you just career under stuff. Like, I you learn how to do it right, and you hope you're good. Like the sabus and all that, but like that's just gotta take a toll on you. Sabu's that's why, not the Hardys. Like that's why they retired when they were thirty. <laughs> And then came well, back no, again uh, for a while. The, the Hardys are still are still around. Yeah, you're right though, but I. I, I, this is gonna sound very, 
very uh bossy because I agree with both of you. Um I I, 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 I love agree with that. that. There's somewhere in between I'm, that I feel like yeah, I, I do. I, I I could I could deal with the rest of my life without seeing a wrestler take another headshot from a chair yeah. again. I don't need to see that. Like I don't need to see that. We we saw what has happened. The steel steps from that. Yeah, we we we've seen how many wrestlers have died at an early age because of CTE and because of the painkiller things. But I also love that fast paced wrestling, and I love that. Um, just balls to the wall, like you know, like the energy in the moment is. But that's the luchadors at WCW. You know what I mean? Going. It's it's Absolutely. the lucha libres. They're they're all over the place. It's that Mexican wrestling style where it's entertaining. Like I could go the rest of my life without seeing another WrestleMania where John Cena doesn't have the belt and he's you know the underdog against some random enemy or something, and then he just magically comes out on top. Again, like always, like I don't need to see the big always. guy fight the the enemy. I want to be entertained. I want to see these two wrestlers like Rey Mysterio and Psychosis go high. I'm, I'm, good, with, I'm good with all of it, though. Though you know what I mean. Like I can watch the the the, the bigger wrestlers, and I can also watch the high flyers. Uh, Indy and Jared. So we watched a little bit of TNA together. I don't know if you guys remember the Motor City Machine Guns. At one point, they were called the Murder City Machine Guns, which was <laughs> awesome. Name. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. That, that fast-paced wrestling and like the um, the X division and everything that you know, like there was no limits to it, and they, they could do whatever they wanted. And in um, wrestling evolved, it went from that cruiserweights, and the, a lot of the rest, a lot of the wrestlers saw the cruiserweights in, in the nineties. And that's what got them into wrestling. And they were a little bit smaller, yeah. but they could go fast. But they can make up for it. And, yeah, they can do a lot more. Like Edge plays. and Christian versus the Hardy Boys is way more entertaining to watch because they do more shit than, than to watch the great Kali versus some other big dude. It's just not as entertaining. Absolutely. Okay, Mysterio I, versus I, the great Kali. Yeah, okay, I agree with you guys on that. Like, if it's... If they bring them in just because they're really big and they have no talent at all, then I, then, then I have no interest in watching that. But like, I have no interest in watching... Even Undertaker can catwalk on the ropes if he wants to. Exactly. exactly. Undertaker's so a big dude, but he can do a lot of shit. Yeah. But, like, you have Absolutely. someone like the great Kali versus John Cena... And they ain't doing shit. The only thing that's going to happen is John Cena is going to pick him up, and you're going to go. Oh, that period okay. was very boring. I will give you that. Yeah, I think that stretch right around there with the him. Randy, was Who yeah, else the was Randy Umaga? Orton. Was Umaga the one that was super big and like that? That he was actually pretty talented. Though, remember he had that like spike thing that he was such doing? like yeah. Yeah, he was he awesome. Him. Oh, he was a great. That's another guy. Rest heel. in peace. Yeah, he died. He died. He oh, died. He died like ten years ago. Like something happened, or just? I think it was. Uh, I I don't want to say else unrelated. But. Well, yeah, no, it it was something to do with either like painkillers or you know, like he I, he died I, way too young. He would yeah. die way too. Young. 
Um, but yeah, he was crazy athletic for yeah. a big guy. <laughs> like, remember they he took like fast. a ring whole sprint. You'd run, slide to their freaking ring all the time. <laughs> the dude, yeah. <laughs> Somebody that big should not be doing that. Like Jack Black. <laughs> but it's like Samoa Joe. Right. Samoa Joe's a big guy, oh my but God. he is a yep. good wrestler. So he's okay Andy, to watch. And the WWE had Samoa Joe. No, and they ruined him. Oh, well, they, they they didn't get him. They didn't give him the title. He got too many concussions, so they put him on commentary. Oh. He, wanted to, he wanted to get back into wrestling. A week after WrestleMania, Nobody's they released them. Just straight up released them. So I'm hoping he's coming to AEW at some point because that dude, he like if. He might not he was be able just to like a straight up. Though. I was going to say, if he's had too many there, hopefully. He, he thought that he could wrestle. He just wasn't cleared, you know? Yeah. He's a smart guy. Like, he, he's not going to risk it. If it's, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I think. Like, I mean. Some of these guys love it so much, though. Like, look at Mick Foley. I mean, that man gave his life, I mean, his he body did, wrestling. And it's like, Mick, you didn't have to do half the shit you did for wrestling like you like come on like i mean him but, but he thought he did i mean Funk. everybody was in thumbtacks for a little while edge and randy orton was another one that i forgot about Ed, he got all the thumbtacks. Yeah. nick foley through a flaming table yeah. amazing oh yeah oh yeah so, and nick foley is one of the best yeah. of all time i mean he's what got me into wrestling because i was like oh if this is what wrestling is this is the coolest shit ever but that's like, what nick well, that was when um, McMahon, Vince, had to, to try everything. Because, you know, he's like, I have competition. And here's this weird kind of tubby dude that's like, hey, let me do these characters. And Vince is like, well, we got to see what works, right? And people are like, yeah, Cactus Jack. He was the number two selling uh, shirt just behind Steve Austin. Well, it's like, the funny thing, too, with like mankind is like, how do you take such a weird, like, I don't know, like a weird character persona and flip it like without changing the character too much. Right. Like, yeah. You went from like creepy mankind where the promos were like disturbing to like Mr. Sacco, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, cause they already had a cane. I feel like when Kane was starting to push in, it's like, all right, I'll back off. You can have that part and I'll just take the weird. It's just Nick though. It's the way he thinks too. He's like, I'm just going to do this. And cause it's like, yeah. He had Dude Love, who never won a match. Cactus Jack, who was the wild card that everyone was supposed to be scared of. And then you had Ansign, which was the real weirdo. But yeah, so he could come. And ECW. And ECW. But he, you, you kind of thought, man, this guy's got multiple personalities. Like, and he played off it too. Like, I can't beat you. I remember him saying that a couple times. But I know someone who can. And then you go bang, bang. Yeah. The crowd was so <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, like <laughs> if we're gonna talk about the biggest moments in wrestling, that that Madison Square Garden show, uh, when the way that Triple H sold that, that you know, like when mankind's talking to Dude Love, and then Cactus Jack walks in, and then all of a sudden they just throw the trash can out, and fucking Mick Foley comes out in Madison Square Garden for a hardcore match. And Triple H is like losing his mind. He's like, I don't want to fight this dude. This dude is like <laughs> legit. <not> right. 
And that's that's where it turned around for the WWF. Like that's where like you had solid characters there. Like um, Andy, I know you love WCW, but I, I just didn't see the character work for WCW. Like their their characters didn't seem as intricate as WWF. Well, like. that's what ended up happening was. Um they really listened to Bischoff too much and they really went too far into the NWO storyline. Like they, they got it. It got too big when it was just, you know, the outsiders and Hogan and they were like, they were taking over. It was, it was good. And then when they started kind of assimilating other rappers, and then they became the entire, yeah. And then they became the entire thing. And it was like, this is too much. Like it's too big now. So then they were like, we're going to split it off with like the Wolfpack faction. And then it was pretty much the downfall. And a lot of it was, they brought Goldberg in. Yeah. They brought Goldberg in forever trying to get them all into one party. And then as soon as you get them into one spot, you have to break them up again. Yeah. And they just, they, they went too all in on it. And that's really what ended up killing them. Cause it was either you were part of the NWO and that was your character or you weren't, you know, and other characters that they could, that if Bischoff, really invested in like Chris Jericho. Yep. Like how can you not take a character like that or Raven or DDP? Like, and I know he did push DDP a lot because that's one of his friends. You're going to have Raven and Sting. Uh, I mean, you got, you got the flock in Sting. You threw in uh, the NWO anyways, which Fair was enough. so stupid because yeah. he was supposed to be the conscious. Yep. Conscience of uh, WCW. So let me let me just pivot real quick because I wanna I wanna wrap this up with something that we can sort of like discuss with a little bit of depth, but also keep this podcast fairly short because I feel like we're on to some good stuff and this could be like a ten part series. So let's not try to blow our load all in one shot here. So. But let me just let me just end with this, or let's let's start this conversation because I think there's so many different options here. But maybe there's some obvious ones, and maybe there's some not so obvious ones. But let's just talk like any any company. Who do you think sort of like made the biggest impact on wrestling? Like single wrestler, who do you think made the biggest impact? Like whether it's bringing it to the mainstream. Or that just like was a character that really grabbed your attention. Who do you think really made that impact? That's a great question. I mean, a couple come to mind for me. And I think that like I would start out with going with the longevity factor and going with how he kept sort of reinventing himself and keeping wrestling really interesting. And it's Undertaker. Because you're talking about like his his introduction. You know that he was originally a bushwhacker? Was he really? Really? I watched a video of him coming out in bushwhacker gear and it looks very silly looking because it was him trying to do the bushwhacker walk, but as the Undertaker, like a big dude, didn't really work out. But even better. Anyway, the bigger the bigger thing is that he I think his um introduction was on a survivor series, like probably like late 80s early 90s and he was just such a mystery and like he was so scary in a way and like 
it was like you wanted to know more about him, but at the same time, you were like deathly afraid of him. He was still, I think, in terms of so young, and he had Paul Bear there. He just didn't, he didn't talk at all. I mean, it was always Paul yeah. Bear doing everything, so he was just this. Presence. And he was redhead. He was like he yeah, had like red hair, gingery. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like interesting to like see how, but I think he kept the same persona for so long, but the character developed so much, and he yeah. had so many good matches. I just thought like he made such a big impact on wrestling in general. Maybe he wasn't the most, but I think like again I the mean, longevity factor. One, I believe there's a reason he had like that 30 year streak at WrestleMania. Like they knew he made him money. They made him money. You know, I would say too, though, in the eighties, I would say probably like ultimate warrior and Hogan, you know, like they were the, I feel like the top names. Ultimate warrior. They were liked, but I feel like Hulk Hogan and all them just definitely did more. 100%. Hogan carried. Oh, he carried two promotions. Yeah. He did. I mean, uh, and Ultimate Warrior. He did. He did carry him. He, you know, and is, is if you love him, you hate him. He did. He carried the WCW at the time um, when he went over there and he carried the WWF. And when he left, I mean, they were big losses. And WWF, I mean, has always had a star. Like, Vince is really good at picking who stars are like, you cannot, as much as if you love him, you hate him. He can hate him. I Part hate of him it's too. Just, you have but a deep enough pick. bench and you're always going to have somebody there. That's going to be the favorite. I mean, as long as but take- is it because of the characters that, uh, McMahon creates that, that he's always thinking of the next star. I don't think it's the characters he necessarily creates. I think it's his ability to notice a star when it happens. Like he's opportunistic in the nineties, the Attitude Era. The definitely the people who carried it were The The Rock Rock. and Stone Cold. I mean, and it's the ability to recognize who you need to push. You know, like when he saw the way that they were getting crowd reactions to understand these are the guys. Do you think that they are part of this conversation? Oh, absolutely. I believe Biggest that impact. in the '90s, if it wasn't for Stone Cold in the in the Rock, he would have lost out to WCW, or WCW would still be around because he would have not had as much of a pull as he did. Those two pulled the WWF away; like they were the reason viewers were leaving WCW. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, yeah. just the Stone Cold market alone was huge oh. back in the day. Yeah. Okay. Everything has three sixteen on it. <laughs> Without those stars, the same the whole yeah. the whole show. He would not have he would not have beat WCW. He would not have. He absolutely I still have the old holdouts, there's nobody new and from like the two thousands on, old like two thousand ten on, I don't know. Other than just picking somebody else that's already been there. Like do they have a new face that's taken over? That isn't just uh, Triple H. No, it's a uh, it's a guy named Roman Reigns now. But everyone he, hates Roman Reigns. Knocked him down a couple of times. I thought it's he he turned heel though, and yeah. he, he's doing some incredible stuff. Okay, but my my pick on this, and I'm going to be a homer. I'm going with Chris Jericho. Oh, absolutely. Um, That's a good one. Chris Jericho in 30 years of wrestling Did- has reinvented himself so many times. We all remember the WCW. Yeah. Jericho, he was the always great on the mic too. Yeah, he was always oh, great. Definitely. Uh, in the in the uh, 
in the 2000s, Y2J. Um, and now, <laughs> now in my favorite promotion, AW, he's like, he's, he's 50, but he's still, he's, he's creating new stars. He, he really, he's got a brain. He's got the drive for, for it. The industry. Yeah. Like he knows what to do. And they also put him on commentary every now and then. Uh, that's a and, good one. Yeah. It is the greatest thing to hear this guy just like talk wrestling and, and him stay in character and like talking shit about the faces but also putting him over like the oh yeah they are good wrestlers but he hates them like a lot of that Jerry Lawler that I love he'll still in yeah, he'll compliment you and then peel it back yeah, and show the, you what you're really trying to say yeah the, like because being a big Bret Hart fan and he would always be talking bad about Bret Hart but he would also be elevating Bret Hart and I sure. didn't realize at that point so yeah and then uh, there's jr which yeah i'll give jr some credit there's probably a a decent size percentage uh the reason why i watched wdo for that's a great point jared he's a great i'm freaking out all the time the booger red people have signs what's the booger red when he called (laughs) undertaker paints the booger red Oh, I will always remember. <laughs> He's the bugger red. What the fuck is a bugger red? But Andy, as a fan of WCW, and I love Tony Schiavone. He's an AEW, so is JR. Um, but there would be points where they would be talking about the main event during this awesome Lucha matchup, and it'd be like, they would not promote what is actually going on in the yeah. room. No, they wouldn't. Well, and they absolutely well, should have been. And I mean, that was part of, I would say, Eric Bischoff's biggest downfall was he had a pool of, of amazing, like, just high yeah. flyers. And he knew to put them together to match them and have these good matches, but he didn't yeah. have the foresight to push them more and to push those. Andy, I'm sorry, you're I, wrong. The problem is the reason they didn't discuss luchador matches that they couldn't name half the fucking moves they did that's <laughs> true they only knew like elbow things they're like what what are these guys doing <laughs> but that that's always been kind of with wrestling and it it's it's mcmahon's downfall sometimes too is that now that he doesn't have competition he kind of just he got boring and recycles i know you say aew but he just kind of recycles shit and he's like yeah i'm gonna push this person like he was part of it too. Is, who are you making it for? Time. Is he still making the show today for yeah, us for, that he I mean, was making no. in the eighties for us? He's, like I don't think that's the same at all anymore. Great point, Jared. He is making the show for himself, and it's something that Eric also uh, alluded to. Also, that these characters, they, they they're not evolving anymore, oh. and. Um, one of the things that I, I mentioned off mic earlier was wrestlers that either came from WCW, like Sting, he was never going to push Sting. Yeah. Or if, if it's a character that came from Ring of Honor, they, they do very well in NXT but they're never going to do anything once Vince McMahon gets there because they were created somewhere else. They got over somewhere else. I think Taz mentioned it 
at one point his first it was a starting royal fresh on a new character on wwe and hoping that that goes off exactly a royal rumble in 2000 when he made his debut and it was in new york and the crowd was really excited to see taz and that was the death nail for taz because that was something that Vince Shit, you didn't like this create. Guy? all right fuck you then exactly exactly he's not my character he's somebody else's character so fuck this guy yeah, that sucks so it sucks. Just to kind of get back on 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 topic again, um, sorry, ramble off forever. Um, so, what do you think about like does Ric Flair enter the conversation? Amazing wrestler, like does, absolutely. But does I he? Mean, does he? He's, he's got he a place up there in the top. He's definitely one of the MVPs. He carried WCW for a while. Self. Oh, 100%. He was WCW. Yeah, he was WCW for a long time. All long right, Mo Froze. WWF, too. Yeah. I'm going to throw this one out there, though. Uh, did you guys ever see the Jay Lethal versus Ric Flair at TNA where they did the woo-off? Oh, God. I don't think so. so <laughs> I actually think I watched that on YouTube. Yeah, and so Jay Lethal... Always did a great Macho Man impression. <laughs> but his other great impression was Ric Flair. And to see those two go face to face doing the same voice. It's the most incredible <laughs> thing you'll ever see. And when Jay Lethal does the elbow <laughs> drop onto the sports coat, I I lost my I lost my it? mind. Is it it was Jay great- Lethal that one of his gimmicks was he was macho. He thought he was Macho Man, right? Yes, yes, that, absolutely. I'm sorry. That was the smartest thing that TNA did for him, like to be like, you know what? Because it was a gimmick that people loved. I watched TNA oh, just sure. to watch him pretend to be Macho Man because it was it was his impression was spot on, and it's like it's that same thing kind with, of same thing. thing with Ric Flair. Yep. Anyway. Eric, did you also do this, like, the impressions of wrestlers, like, would you do, like, a, a woo for Ric Flair, or, you know, do your, woo, stab into a Slim Jim uh, impression Bones of, like, Smosh's ready. Listen to me, yeah, brother. Exactly. Hey, I'm gonna take your brother, and I'm gonna pick you up, brother, and I'm gonna drop the big leg on your brother. <laughs> all right, that was one of my all, favorite things. All of those impressions were the worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, brother. Andy sounded like a, a leprechaun. <laughs> Come on, brother. Brother. Um, I got a leg that I'm gonna drop on you, brother, and it's gonna knock you out. I mean, I'll tell you, like when I played with the when I played with the Hasbro figures, I would definitely be doing the voices of them, you know, <laughs> one way or another. Um I, I'm not gonna do an impression now, but certainly um I'm sorry. I did a good Paul Bearer back in the day, but I don't know if I could do it now. <laughs> I'm just going to mention this, though. Serious moment of Bill. my life when Undertaker, I forgot who he was wrestling because it was so scary. And they just grab the urn from Paul Bear and they pull it open and all the smoke starts to spew out of it and Undertaker just drops. Yep. Serious moment on wrestling history. right there. The Rock did a bunch of impressions of wrestlers. There was that one promo when he started. I never saw a clip of that. And he just... He went to go do his If You Smell, and then he just kept going. He went through Macho Man. <laughs> he went through 
Ric Flair. He's there did like five other ones. Like, I got this. I got this. Shawn Michaels right behind him. The Undertaker one was my favorite. So one, one more wrestler I want to I want to bring up um, that I think made a name for himself in a different way than what we've been talking about. But I feel like when you think of the genre, you can't help but but doink. think of him. Dink. No, not Dink or Doink. Oh. Uh, but Terry Funk. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk about someone yeah, that sacrificed his body. For wrestling. Yeah, for real. He's another one. Is he dead, though? Terry Funk's not dead. Not gonna... Really? I thought he, dare he died a long time ago. Holy shit, no. No. I thought he died during, you know, one of those explosive mind matches that he would do freaking mankind. <laughs> I, I love Terry no. Funk, but it's like, Terry, like, you, you killed your body for a sport that you loved, and I feel like it never loved him back. Yeah, I mean, oh, I no. can't think of Some another dude who, The fans love him. Is, the sport. I, and that's why. That's all. Yeah. I think that was enough. Well, well, who else spent their entire paycheck to buy a ladder? You know what I mean? Like, that's basically like the history of Terry Funk is like the dude was like, you know, probably pulling in a thousand bucks a night and probably spent 600 of it on props. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the rest on band aids and fucking yeah. aspirin. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was a hardcore legend, for sure. No doubt about it. But he was also a good technical wrestler back Very in the day. Like, he, he could do anything. And then he really solidified ECW. Yeah. Like, without him, yeah, without him there, without the Stevie Richards, um, Terry Funk. I just Funk, remember that Tommy Dreamer match. Was it Terry Tommy Funk, Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer? And... Was that one you were talking about? A couple weeks ago, and no, I can't remember what it was. Oh, was Cactus that? Jack and Edge. Yeah, and and Terry Funk's like eyelid gets ripped open from a piece of barbed wire or something. Yeah, and he's got blood in his eye, and you just, you can hear him on the on the microphone. And he's like, Mick, I can't see my eye. Mick, goddamn it, my eye. And he's like the whole time, and they're still like tossing him around. So then they pull they pull him out of the match, and they're like they're talking about it. You know, you got Joey Styles, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, but you know, they had to pull him aside. So. Then, like, all of a sudden, later in the match, all of a sudden, he pops up. He's got the most, like, ridiculous-looking, like, patch over his eye of gauze. It's, like, covered in blood. Comes out, and he's holding, like, a big two-by-four up, and he's like, and the whole crowd goes nuts for him. This the match, and still is getting the shit beat out of him. <laughs> Didn't go any better from there. Yeah. I Okay, so, going full circle on this, my first match that I watched that, that Hell in a Cell with, with Mankind and Undertaker. So when they chokeslammed him through uh, through the roof of the uh, the cell, which was not supposed to give out, uh, Mick Foley's got uh, a, a tooth coming out of his nose. And did the race break when he fell into it too? So he sunk into it. Yeah. Yeah, it was Which, bad news. Funny, one of the times it probably wasn't meant to break because yeah, every time yeah, the ring has broken when Big Show has choke slammed somebody, it's like a hole. It's a circle hole in the middle of the ring. For sure. Cool. Well, this guy's got internal bleeding going on. So Terry Funk runs out <laughs> to try to try and buy some time for uh, mankind. <laughs> he gets so he gets a tombstone in his. Shoes come on. 
and, and Terry Funk was the best because he also re, remember when uh, okay so after after mankind gets thrown off the off the cage and he goes to the announcer table and they put him in the uh um uh, in the gurney to send him back and uh-huh. and, and it's Terry Funk next to him and be like Mick are you okay Mick. <laughs> gets off of the gurney starts climbing back up the cage <laughs> like, what do you and i'm sitting there like i've never seen anything like this before like what the fuck is going on all i know is that if i ever get in a fight that's what i'm gonna say to someone i'm gonna say listen motherfucker i'm gonna tombstone i'm gonna tombstone the shoes off of you <laughs> i'm gonna tombstone you so hard brother your shoes are gonna come what? flying off brother Eric, if we ever get in a fight and you say you're gonna tombstone the shoes it's off of me, threat. I'm like, I'm not fighting yeah. for this guy. <laughs> I've seen this happen before. Dude, that match is scary though. This they're up there and you can see the 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 buckles on the, the cage just popping off. And you can see how a nervous Undertaker is because every step he takes is he bing bing and pins like, I'm too heavy and too flying tall, off man. and he's just I don't like need to be up here. Yeah, not happy about it. Well, he's if, like a ballet watch- dancer up there. Yeah. If you watch that first Hell in a Cell, they're like body slamming each other, like on the top of the cage. Nothing's happening. There's like it's it's like solid. It's it's probably more solid than the ring. It's like they're like they're fine up there. Yeah, but when they're walking on top of it, yeah, it's just falling apart. I don't yeah. know who did that second Hell in a Cell. Because they but. weren't supposed to be up there, so they probably were like, "Why are we making it so supportive up That's here?" True. Yep. <laughs> There's been a few. I know there's been people that have gone through the side of the cage. It was like Roman Reigns the last couple of years, right? I think that was the last yeah. WrestleManias. I saw some like clips of stuff, and he like dead charged somebody, speared him through the side. Like, well, that panel wasn't attached then, because okay, <laughs> like fences usually don't just come out in chunks, right? Yeah, it's, it's still not as great as the Bam Bam Bigelow spot, though. Oh, Taz, yeah. Taz, so good. All right, well, I think we um, we got through a good amount of uh, wrestling chat today, and I think we definitely have something set up for a part two. Um, maybe we'll take a couple of weeks off so we can really right. discuss, because I've got a lot more questions for you guys. I want to know more about your wrestling histories, and I want to know, you know, I want to know your favorite matches, and I want to know what, you know, where your att- your attention is when you watch, you know, an event now, if you... If you're still watching, or you go rewatch something, where, like, what, what year do you go back to? What's your favorite? You know, what's your favorite like WWF alumni or WCW alumni? Like, what year really kind of sparked your attention? I really AW can be included. TNA. I think we'll wrap up our episode um, at this point um, because. This is going to be a long one and it's going to open up the, the conversation for many more shows. So, all right. Well, um, I think we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Um, this was and is and will always be the PCB boys. PCB. See you later, brother. As long as Jared doesn't say stay safe this time. You can't cage the madness. All I know is we have a 66 and two-thirds chance 
that we're coming back next week. Three times. There's a 0% chance that Jared's going to be here because he's afraid of me. Bill's got like a 66.5% chance to Wix 33 and a third percent chance, which gives it about a 3% chance for this show to air. There's a 100% chance that Jared will be late and a 10% chance that that's what's left on Bill's battery. <laughs> <laughs> Still going all right, y'all. Today. We'll catch y'all next week. Peace out. Peace. Peace.